We could use your help keeping the Omaha History Podcast going. Please consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com slash Omaha. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It'll help pay the light bill. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. North Omaha's African-American culture has grown and changed dramatically since its founding in 1854. One of the main drivers of the culture for more than a century has been the black media. From the time Omaha's first black newspaper was published in 1889 through Chanel Williams' continued use of Facebook, Twitter, and other social media today to build the African-American community in Omaha, black media has continued to transform the North Omaha community and the city at large. So, Adam, I understand there's a very robust history of African-American newspapers in Omaha. That's right, Steve. You know, when we look back at history, the temptation is to focus on the most uh, popular and longstanding black newspaper in Omaha's history, which, of course, is the Omaha Star. But when we look at history, we can go all the way back and really beginning to begin to look at that pioneer era of Omaha and how it was kind of coming undone and the city was transitioning and becoming a new place. And we get all the way to 1887. But before we talk about that year, let's go back even a little bit further. The first black newspaper in the United States of America was published by John Russworm in 1827. It was called Freedom's Journal, and it was out of the East Coast. And it just was a champion newspaper that really laid the template for what black newspapers would be for the next 150 years even. They've changed a lot, of course, to keep up with the media. But the Omaha Chronicle was really the first newspaper that took a took a, a plunge at telling the story of African-Americans in Omaha. It was a short sheet, meaning that it wasn't very long and it wasn't very big. Uh, it, and actually, it was approximately two pages long at any given time. But it included the news of the local politics, of the local social activities and different things, and really set the template that, w- that was used in Omaha. Because right after the Omaha Chronicle started in 1887, the, pro- the progress uh, – jumped up in 1889. The Progress was a super interesting paper because it took a very political slant on the African-American community in Omaha and really told the story of uh, what black life was like on a day-to-day basis for um, professionals, for uh, the upper class, and as well as for the working class African-Americans in Omaha at the time. It was filled with with ads, newspaper ads, um, that really funded its existence and relied on those ads. And the advertisers relied on the newspaper to reach the black community in Omaha. They didn't have a way before that. The Omaha World Herald, which started as the Daily Herald in the Omaha World, that newspaper was notorious for not featuring African Americans in any of its stories. And when they did, it was always on very short stories. So it didn't really celebrate or uplift the community in any meaningful sense, at least for the first 50 years of the newspaper's existence, although some would argue that that continues even today. Anyhow, the progress was established to tell the other side of the story. Uh, There was a journalist behind it. His name was Ferdinand Barnett, and Barnett was born in 1854. Uh, He was the child of slaves and came to Omaha 
um, became a civil rights activist, became a politician, and eventually became a government employee. He started the progress in 1889, ran it to 1906, and that year he was appointed the Douglas County Court Deputy Clerk. So, super interesting that only uh, uh, 20 years after he was appointed as the county clerk, he actually became uh, one of North Omaha's, one of Omaha, one of Nebraska's very first African American legislators. He joined the state House of Representatives back when Nebraska had uh, two body group for the state Senate. So anyway, Barnett got into the House of Representatives. He was remembered for his newspaper, for his political activism. But uh, he eventually, when he passed away in 1932, uh, was really renowned for having been a politician and really having a lot of influence in the community. The third newspaper worth mentioning came around in 1892 when uh, Cyrus Bell, Cyrus Bell was all over North Omaha. He did a lot of very important things. He was actually born as a slave in Mississippian and uh, came to Omaha in 1868. Uh, so it took him a couple decades to get his newspaper going. But he called it the Afro-American Sentinel. And the Afro-American Sentinel was different uh, than the majority of black culture at the time because it supported the Democrats, who at that time were renowned for being segregationists in the United States. So then when Booker T. Washington in 1895 came out with his Atlanta Compromise speech, uh, Bell responded to it. And he said that uh, the race is in too big of a hurry uh, for blacks to want to go to college and uh, get into the professions. And Cyrus Bell from the Afro-American Sentinel in Omaha, Nebraska, advocated that African-Americans should slow down and live more conservatively and live less progressively. Uh, he thought that education was too disruptive to society. So his position as a radical conservative pitted him against uh, other African-Americans in the community, especially leaders who thought that, uh, the, that civil rights weren't moving fast enough. Anyhow, when Bell died in 1925, his newspaper died with him. And a lot of his politics did, too. The Enterprise, the Omaha Enterprise, was the next newspaper to really emerge. Uh, and that was in 1893, just a year after Bell's newspaper started. The Enterprise uh, was started by a guy named George Franklin, who was, again, a businessman on North 24th Street. But Franklin uh, ended up giving up the ownership of the newspaper to Thomas Muhammad. Thomas Muhammad was an African-American leader like no others in Omaha up to the point of his life in the 18, and, and really his high point in the 1890s. Muhammad was renowned for, he ran a catering business and was uh, really tied in with Omaha's uh, elite white community because of his business. Uh, but when he took control of the Enterprise newspaper, uh, Muhammad brought in his wife, whose name was Ella. And Ella Muhammad was a powerhouse in journalism. The two, Thomas and Ella, uh, created what was what became the longest living newspaper in Omaha's history up until the Omaha Star, uh, the longest living African-American newspaper. And they had a lot of writers come through the door, including Ella herself, but also John Albert Williams, who was a powerful African-American minister, Episcopalian minister in North Omaha, um, Josephine Sloan Yates, Comfort Baker, Victoria Earl Matthews, Margaret James Murray, all of these folks were super renowned in the African-American community across the United States. 
And so that they were writing for the Enterprise in Omaha, Nebraska was a big deal and really showed the power of the black press in Omaha as well as nationwide. When a lot of these newspapers were publishing, they weren't intending to only reach the local community. They were reaching over to the East Coast and to the South and to other Western cities with the intention of rallying together African-Americans in general. I Just by way of illustrating that, Booker T. Washington's wife, Margaret James Murray, she actually wrote for the Enterprise. So all kinds of influence. You know, uh, in that argument around Booker T. Washington, the Enterprise weighed in and really fought against the conservatism that was expressed by Bell. I mean, they, they really struggled against it and really took up loud voice for civil rights and for black empowerment. In 1906, uh, Muhammad got involved with the city council and started wrangling against a candidate who wanted redlining in the city to be formalized. In 07, uh, the enterprise advocated for a boycott against businesses refusing to serve blacks. So it went on. The struggle was real, and it, and it was certainly fought by the Omaha Enterprise newspaper for civil rights and against white supremacy. Muhammad closed his newspaper in 1920. He lived another 30 years after that, kept catering, and was really influential in the community. In his wake, another newspaper came up called The New Era. Uh, the New Era was started by an African-American lawyer in Omaha named Harrison Pinkett. And Pinkett hired a guy named George Wells Parker to be the editor of The New Era. Uh, Pinkett was paying for the publication right out of his pocket. And Parker started publishing uh, radical political views almost immediately. Um, Parker was a uh, socialist who really fought against white supremacy and really believed that capitalism was forcing African-Americans to live less than they possibly could. So uh, Parker began writing these political kind of commentaries. And within just five years, the new era shut down. Uh, the newspaper couldn't continue. There was with the fighting between the founder and Parker himself. But Parker went on and he created a new newspaper for the city called the Omaha Whip. It only ran for a couple of editions, uh, but in it, Parker accused Pinkett, Ole Jackson, Johnny Moore, and a bunch of other folks of uh, promising black votes to politicians. He also accused Pinkett of supporting the KKK uh, and all kinds of other audacious things. So when that shut down, uh, maybe the best read and the most widely known of all the African-American newspapers in the city up to that point uh, became – and, and it already was the Monitor, the Omaha Monitor. Steve, the Omaha Monitor was started in 1915, and it was edited and published, and a lot of it was written by John uh, Reverend John Albert Williams himself. I'd mentioned him earlier as a writer for another newspaper. Well, his newspaper went on uh, for almost 15 years, and it covered the entirety of the community. It brought in national news around African-Americans and really lifted up the positive power of black people to lift themselves up and lift up the communities where they lived, including Omaha. Um, Reverend Williams wrote for his uh, newspaper all the time, but he also wrote letters to the editor of the Omaha World Herald, the Omaha Bee, and really fought for black rights, really fought for civil rights. And I mean, honestly, community engagement in its finest. Uh, Reverend Williams just went on and on. And after he had been writing for the Enterprise, he knew that he wanted to start his own paper that he could just go off on. And so the Monitor rose. It started as a church newspaper for his uh, church that he ran that was called St. Philip the Deacon. It was down on 21st by Cummings and Nicholas. And 
it evolved from being a church newspaper into the covering the general community. Williams knew how to reach out and connect with other papers and really challenge the city's indifference to uh, civil rights and to its African-American community. When the lynching of Will Brown happened in 1919, Williams went off on both the World Herald and the Bee and the Daily News, and he just really just let folks know that the biased treatments of African-Americans wasn't acceptable to him or anybody in the community. Um, George Wells Parker, who I mentioned earlier, as well as Lucille Skaggs Edwards, they both worked for the paper. Edwards, you know, she started writing, uh, she's an African-American woman uh, who started her writing career in 1906. She published the first uh, magazine for African-American women in Nebraska that was called the Women's Aurora. And she went on to write for Williams for a number of years after that. Parker founded the Hamitic League of the World, an Afrocentric uh, empowerment organization that really fought across the United States. Um, anyway, he ended up leaving the monitor because of political differences. So Williams's paper shut down in 1929. In 1926, though, another African-American newspaper rose up called the Omaha Guide. Uh, the Guide was started by some businessmen who really wanted to um, take a stab at building up the business community, the black business community. And these guys, Herman Ford, C. Galloway and B. Galloway, they, they really came out and got 25,000 people, uh, 25,000 copies of their newspaper printed every week, distributed around Omaha and around Nebraska and around the entirety of the Midwest. Uh, and uh, their illustrated feature section um, was an innovation. I mean, they really began to lay the template for what newspapers should look like in the modern era. Um, in the 1930s, the guide became the largest black newspaper west of the Mississippi River. Its uh, advertising department had S. Gilbert in it. And Ed Gilbert, he was uh, the uh, then husband of Margaret Gilbert Brown, who and the pair of them eventually left the newspaper, the guide, in 1938 to start another newspaper that became very important. We'll come back to them in a few minutes. The guide ran from 1927 to 1958. Another newspaper that rose up early on in 1945 was called uh, The American Record. And The American Record was actually published in Plattsmouth, but relied on Omaha for its circulation and stayed afloat. Didn't really work, though, and it only lasted for three years. But then another paper that rose right at that era, uh, actually in 1938, was called The Omaha Star. And the Omaha Star was started by Ed Gilbert and his then-wife, Mildred Brown. Uh, when they got divorced in 39, Brown took the paper with her, and she became the first female to have founded a newspaper in Nebraska, but also the longest uh, editor, uh, African-American female editor of a newspaper in the United States, if not the first African-American female editor of a newspaper in the United States. So she managed the paper for the rest of her life. And in 1945, the Omaha Star became the only black newspaper in Omaha. After all of that history, it came down to one. And today, that newspaper continues on. You know, Steve, there were so many notable um, African-American journalists and writers who worked for the Omaha Star. Preston Love, the jazz great. Um, Kathy Hughes, who right now runs uh, a gigantic media empire here in, across the entire country. Uh, Charles Washington, of course, he was a journalist there in Omaha who is the namesake of the North Omaha Library. Um, all kinds of other great writers were really, really involved. Mildred Brown herself, she became the first African-American woman 
to get into the Omaha Business Hall of Fame because of the amount of influence in her paper. She drove uh, the Omaha Star to become very loud, to become very outspoken, and to become completely relevant to the entire community, African-American and white, all across Omaha. You know, Steve, she was even appointed to be a goodwill ambassador to East Germany by President Johnson. I mean, the amount of influence of the Omaha Star and Mildred Brown cannot be overspoken. But by the same token, the amount of knowledge that went behind black newspapers in general and the legacy that they left really created freedom and justice for the entire city that's still being felt today. When Brown passed away in 1989, her newspaper continued after her. The circulation had more than 30,000 nationwide, distributing to 48 states. Uh, It was run by her niece for more than two decades, and the the paper continues to run today uh, and is really, really successful. You know, some of those uh, problems that we mentioned earlier, uh, they continue to resonate throughout the African-American community. One of the misconceptions that a lot of white people have of Omaha's African-American community is that it's monolithic, that all blacks are, quote, the same or act in one way or whatever. And if anything, the newspaper story from the city shows us how diverse the community truly was. There was a national protest and that uh, left Omaha's African-American newspapers thriving all the way back in 1898 when that protest really focused on uh, anti-racism and stopping uh, editorial bias against black people in newspapers across the country. Omaha's newspapers thrived because they had a legacy of having a high journalistic kind of fervor for advocacy that black newspapers in the city did. Um, So a lot of exciting history came out of the newspapers. You know, it's also worth mentioning that uh, both the Monitor and the New Era were labeled as communist in the 1920s, even though they weren't. They were labeled as communist by the FBI for their reporting. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover's FBI started a file on Mildred Brown and the Omaha Star all the way in the 40s and continued into the 70s. It was recovered by a Freedom of Information Act request in the, two, in the 2000s and found to have more than 1,400 pages of surveillance data, all on the Omaha Star. So all of that said, uh, today we have lots of new media that's emerging out of the city. There's a group called Noise. There's Chanel Williams. There's all kinds of folks who are using social media. They're using uh, the internet. They're using print media. They're using all kinds of things to share news and spread the word, as well as the continued legacy of the Omaha Star, which I can't repeat enough, if only because they're still going and they're more powerful than ever before. So it's an exciting history that really makes Omaha pay attention to community that it would have not heard otherwise for Jim Crow reasons, for white supremacy, for any reason at all. But the fact of the matter is black media is alive today and continuing well. And that's some of its history. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.